And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast on a Tuesday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Just kind of work through us here a little bit. In my new studio, there's a lot of construction going around. You might hear a jackhammer. You might hear a train. You might hear a a snowblower. No, you're not going to hear that uh, here in Florida. But there's some things going on. So just kind of work through us here. We got a great show as we look ahead here on a Tuesday. It is uh, the Byron Nelson this week, another week on the PGA Tour, another tournament, good field down there in McKinney, Texas. And to help us break it down, one of our favorite guests coming to us across the pond where it's summer, 85 degrees, I'm sure, light winds. Ben Coley, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, thanks, Travis. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Leeds, which is kind of, I don't know if... I don't think it is officially, but it'd be the windy city over here for um, for comparisons with Chicago. But um, yeah, it, it's not it's not summer yet. But I'm promised a heat wave. Okay. Um, ho- hopefully next week to coincide with the PGA. I quite like to spend my mornings in the garden before uh, getting down to the serious business of a golf tournament. So we'll see. A serious business. That's uh, that's a good leadway here. I think into this next uh, discussion. There's a lot going on in uh, professional golf. I had Daniel Rappaport on yesterday with Digest and is a monthly catch up with us. And, you know, I'm doing the run of show. I'm like, man, I got to fit all of this in. There's so much I want to talk to him about. And of course we're going to get to this week's PGA tour event here momentarily. But one of the big topics is this LIV series, which is backed by Saudi Arabia. Of course, I know you've been out there on Twitter. You need to follow at Ben Coley golf. Um, Really good follow. And I always enjoy your perspective and, you know, I, I don't want to just lob this to you in a way of, hey, what do you think of the Saudi Arabia League? <laughs> but, of course, some of the guys now are coming out. Lee Westwood uh, over there had some things to say. As you kind of evaluate listening to Lee Westwood, listening to Sergio Garcia on Thursday, quote, he can't wait to get away from this. He's only got two more weeks on the PGA Tour, implying that he is going to go over to the Saudi League. As all this uh, comes out, uh, how does it line up for you? Yeah, it's, um, I, you know, my thoughts on the tour itself are fairly clear. I, you know, I, I think the world would be better off if this wasn't happening. And I, I think it's incumbent upon um, people to to use whatever voice they have if if they do share that view. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm, I, I should be fully clear. Like I'm, I'm not what you call a proper golf journalist. I, you know, the, the, the guys who spend every week on the tour building up their contacts books. And I know you had Dan Rappaport on last night and, um, you know, there's some of the guys over here, are, you know, spent their, their whole working lives in the press rooms. They, they know better what's going on than I do, but, um, we are, at, um, kind of a crossroads, uh, today, Tuesday is the deadline for, players on the DP world tour to request, um, uh, an exemption to, to play in a, an event on a different tour. Um, that being the, the one that takes place a week before the U S open. Um, so more is going to come out, I'm sure at, at the moment, um, you know, all I've heard really is, is a few of the more veteran players disappointed that one of them is Martin Keimer, who's always been very erudite and likable and, I, I would be eager to hear his thoughts. And I hope we get that because we've, we've heard Kaim in the last couple of years really talk at, at a very deep level about his own game and, and the psychology of it and sport and life. And I want to hear him explain why he wants to do it because if he can't justify it, uh, I don't know as anyone can. Um, but yeah, we're at, we're at an interesting point. Um, I'm told Tommy Fleetwood's one of the names that's not going to be playing, which is, which is good news as far as I'm concerned. Um, but, you know, 
I'm still to hear why it's good from a golfer's perspective, bar money. Um, fair play to Lee Westwood. He said he, he he's trying to earn money. Um, to 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 that end, I I get it to a degree, but I'm still to hear why you want to be playing there a week before the U.S. Open. Yeah, it's um, I mean, other than money, what is it, right? I mean, let, let's just read between the lines. I know they're not going to just come out and say that they're being coached up by Live. I'm sure, just like the PGA Tour is going to coach up their players, but if you have a working brain <laughs> and you look at what's happening, I mean, that's what this is. This is a money situation. This is sports washing at its finest from Saudi Arabia. We know of the human rights issues that are happening over there. And, you know, Lee Westwood at the end of his career, you know, he's going to be turning 50. He, it's tougher for him to be competitive on the PGA tour in these bigger events, even him answering it. I can appreciate the position that he's in, and as I was telling Daniel, look, I just want someone to come out and say, look, I mean, it's a lot of money. I'm at the end of my career. Um, you know, and this is, this is a good, this is a business decision I'm going to make. And you don't have to like it, but that's the decision I make. And, you know, they dance around it. It's good for the game. We're growing the game. We're going to fix issues in profession. Come on, stop. You know, I mean, stop. And so, yeah, I get frustrated with that as well. Uh, I know you do also. I was surprised with Martin Keimer. We have Jason Kokrak on tomorrow. I'm very interested to hear what he has to say. He's been linked um, to this Saudi league as other players, Kevin Na. Um, so, yeah, we know Phil's there. We know Robert Garrigus uh, is going to be there. We know Westwood. We know Sergio is applied. Um, but yeah, in the next 24 hours over there, this is the deadline for the DP world tour, as you imagine. And, and after reading John Huggins, um, really well-read, uh, article put to put together with golf digest, uh, it's big over here in the United States, but this has big impact on that tour over there also. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here. And it's all going to come to a head here in the next you know, call it 30 days. We're going to know a lot more, especially when that tour comes to the United States in Portland. That is where the line is going to be drawn and they have to be approved 30 days before that. So it's coming. Yeah. And, and look uh, to the DP world tour point, this is an existential threat to the DP world tour. It isn't to the PGA tour. The PGA tour is, it is flawed in many different ways that we could probably do a whole podcast on. But fundamentally, it's a very, very successful, the most successful in the history of the sport, golf league, for want of a better phrase. Uh, it makes money. I know it's, you know, some debate as to whether it's meant to or not, but um, you know, the, the people who manage it earn plenty of money. The players earn plenty of money. They have very good insurance and pension policies. Everyone's well looked after. The tournaments they run are brilliant. You know, you know, they might not always go to our favorite courses because of logistics and money and various other things, but it is fundamentally a very good machine. The DP World Tour has had to battle some really, I mean, you can argue all you like about the management of it, but they've come through an economic crisis, which hit certain staples of the European Tour harder than it did other places, Spain being probably the best example, and certainly the UK. And then they've gone into a pandemic. And the DP World Tour, and, and this is a point made in John Huggins piece, that the DP World Tour kept going. The Asian Tour didn't, the Australian Tour didn't, uh, the China Tour, PGA Tour China seems to have just stopped to exist or ceased to exist for a time. The DP World Tour kept things going. They gave these players 
a, a path to make money. They gave them protections. They said to guys, look, we're not going to knock you off the tour this year. Your card is valid for another year. They've, they've put all kinds of safety nets and it brings into question how much do you feel these players like Westwood owe a tour? And that's a difficult one because, you know, I've gone back and forth on that a little bit myself, but um, one thing's for sure: if if Live is as successful as they want it to be, I don't think the DP World Tour will continue to exist. So, if I've got to put my small flag in the ground, it's going on the side of the DP World Tour, and I just hope the players with the big flags uh, do the same, and we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's well said. And um, with that, we'll uh, well let me ask you this one more question on this, um, because over here in this has been brought up a couple of times and Lee Westwood pointed this out when it was the European tour. Um, they played in Saudi Arabia and, and to Lee's point, it was, you know, look, we played in Saudi Arabia. Then now all of a sudden the Saudis are involved with this and it's a problem. Is that, are you getting some of that over there with some of the players and the rumblings? I know you're kind of tied in on, in on that. hundred percent. And, and that I suppose is why when you hear, I mean, Famously so far, the PGA Tour are not engaging at all with this, um, whereas Keith Pelly has definitely had discussions with the people behind Liv. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, very, very nearly went a different direction. Instead, we had this strate- strategic alliance with the PGA Tour, which, by the way, is providing us with a world-class Scottish Open field this summer. Um, but I suppose that's why you're not hearing the tours themselves make this about human rights, because we know, and I, you know, I have big issues with this at a fundamental level. But we do know that, um, you know, there's a lot of gray here at the very least. The PGA Tour has operated in China, albeit not directly associated with the CCP, but it has operated in China. Um, The European Tour, as you said, went to Saudi Arabia. The first time we saw Saudi Arabian golf on our televisions was on the European Tour as it was. Um, So the European Tour or the DP World Tour as they are now, by the way, DP World, a Dubai company uh, funded by the Dubai ruling family, you know, there's all kinds of issues there as well. So that that's where it gets murky. And that's why I think the tours themselves are positioning, positioning this more as a product and loyalty thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's difficult for the DP world tour because their product has been diminished. You know, there's no doubt about that, that, that it's not what it was, but I don't think we should be too fatalistic. I, I think, you know, you look last week, the British masters was played in front of massive crowds at the Belfry, yeah. um, a fabulous tournament. And I think the DP world tour is coming to understand that, and, and hence the alignment that really it can be a feeder to the PGA tour mm-hmm. um, and, and a brilliant one um, and a brilliant pathway. And unless those pathways exist between live and the PGA tour for a young player, if you want to achieve and let's forget the money, if you want to achieve what you dreamt of achieving as a kid, um, there's a path you should take and a path you should avoid as things stand. And obviously there's still, still stuff we don't know, but as long as the PGA tour resists, the DP world tour has to resist and, and hope that that alliance is strong enough. Look, if I was a young American player and I wasn't quite ready for the PGA Tour and I had the option to go play in Europe to uh, get my game going and, and travel the world and be a professional golfer, sign me up. I mean, that's it's kind of where we're going, right? And the DP World Tour, what they're going to do with that is, is you know, it can be a feeder, yes, into the PGA Tour, and that's going to be the grand. And I think it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see if there's going to be like these top shelf tournaments and what that's going to be called. And then you've got your feeders into that and how that's going to work in the United States and then over in Europe. And then you've got, let's say for all intents and purposes, double a baseball underneath that with Latino America and um, the Canadian tour and those kinds of things. And, you know, so it's just this feeder system. And that's something that, you know, obviously 
LIV is not even close to even being able to sniff when it comes to that. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of layers to it. And, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. So I appreciate you uh, shedding some light on your thoughts, but also just the impact over there on the DP world tour, because I think over here, a lot of people aren't thinking about that. They're thinking about the PGA tour and what's right in front of them. But the reality is the impact is real, uh, in, in the DP world tour and John Huggin put a nice piece together on that with golf digest. All right, let's fast forward here now to the uh, PGA tour event here. Um, the Byron Nelson, this is, a this is an event now that's kind of got its spot the week before the PGA. We know some players don't like to play before the major and some do. Um, one player that liked to was Phil Mickelson. Of course, we haven't heard from him in quite some time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he plays next week in Southern Hills. Uh, but this event uh, is near and dear to my heart. I've watched this event in person many, many times growing up um, with family members living down in the Dallas, Texas area. It's played at TPC Craig's Ranch now. This is its second year at this property. Uh, I've been to this property a couple of times. I've played the course. This is, yes, it's 7,400 yards, Ben. It's fairly long, but this is going to be an absolute birdie fest, isn't it, at Craig's Ranch? Uh, it certainly is. I mean, 25 under last year. And I think that, um, look, KH Lee won fairly comfortably. But um, the other thing to remember is like the last two hours of that tournament, the conditions were pretty foul. I think the halfway lead was 17 under. I think, you know, they, they had had a lot of rain in the build up last year. And and I gather that conditions aren't as soft this time. But Zoysia grass tends to be pretty receptive anyway, which is what they mm -hmm. got in the fairways. The, those fairways are so wide and, and really the punishment, even for missing them, is not severe. Patan Kizara, I think, was last or last but one in driving accuracy last year. He still shot 63 and a 64 and finished third. Um, so it's it's very much what you do after the drive. I think it's fairly level playing field. I, you know, usually you think with a par 72 with a drivable par four that's 7,500 yards that power would probably trump accuracy in it, and it does but no more so, I would say, than than any other week. So, uh, second shot and and have a good week on the greens. I think is the the formula. And you know, you've alluded to it already. I I think it makes it as open as as you're going to get in yeah. terms of a PGA Tour event. That's despite the fact we've got nine of the world's top twenty. And I think the one the one point I would make is that you look at the run of winners we've had since February March time. Smith, Scheffler, you know. Uh, Cantlay and Shoffley, Homer, who's obviously a member of the elite now. John Rahm has won. Uh, Jordan Spieth uh, has won, and so on and so forth. Uh, and the one exception was days before the Masters when we got a massive shock in JJ Spawn. So uh, definitely don't rule anything out this week. Yeah, I think of this place, the uh, Georgia Fairways, certainly the ball sits up real nice, you know, and it, you're not going to get a lot of tumble uh, off, those, off that kind of grass either. But even if you do miss the fairway here, it's, it, it is big. I mean, it's wide off the fairways. The rough's not going to be too penalizing. Of course, you can always going to get those occasional flyers here and there, but uh, you know, big greens, perfect bent grass greens. Um, if you're, if you're relying on your short game here, you're probably going to get lapped um, at this particular venue. Um, so you've you got to give yourself a lot of looks, like you said, second shot, and you got to convert, you know, if you're going to be up there on the first page uh, of the leaderboard. So let's get right in it. KH Lee was 25 under. I'd be surprised if we see quite that low um, this year. The weather is going to be in the high 80s. And you're going to get that 10 to 15 win, you know, standard there in the Dallas area on Thursday. It looks like it kind of calms down Friday, Saturday, and then picks back up a little on Sunday, but nothing 
you know, too crazy here, I think, in the way of win, which I think really is this course's defense. So without it, but to your point, I don't think it's going to be quite as soft. Yeah, it it seems like it might be that just just a hair trickier um, yeah. than last year because of because of that because as any professional will tell you, it doesn't matter what golf course you put them on if it's soft, it's uh, I suppose last yeah, week was probably a, probably a bit different, but that was also cold and rainy. Uh, if it's soft and warm um, and calm, you know they're gonna they're gonna shoot some low numbers. So I would say. 20 to 22 unders probably more like it but it, but it, even so you know one of the lowest scoring events we've had this year because we've had a bit of everything so far but probably mm-hmm. since the the century not necessarily an out and out shootout yeah you're, we're gonna go lower than last week's folks so if you didn't like last week we're gonna go much lower than that kh lee opens up at a hundred to one here on the show he was even a little higher than that he's been bet down a little bit so not very many people interested in the defending champ who was a it was a long shot, right? If I remember, he was, was he 150 or something? 100 to one last year? Yeah, you got you'd got 200 over here as well. So yeah, he was a he was a big upset. I mean, yeah. he'd been playing well, hadn't he? He'd had that runner up in Phoenix, but um, you know, I guess we the the one strange thing that links the the two editions of this we've had before the US PGA, um, obviously the other coming back in 2019 is that uh, they've both been won by a long shot from Korea. You know, three Korean winners of this. I'd I know a lot of the Korean contingent base themselves in Texas, but I don't believe KH Lee's one of them. And yeah, just a, a random thing. But yeah, he's, uh, you know, he played a bit better last week, but I think back to back, he's a big ass for someone who was a surprise winner in the first place. Yeah, as much as he likes uh, TPCs. Um, anyway, let's get into it here. Scheffler, number one player in the world. going to be good to see him back in Texas. He's right now, and he got to shop around, folks. This is DraftKings Sportsbook right now as we come on. He is seven to one. JT is nine to one. Uh, Will's Al Torres, 14 to one Texas kid, of course, but went to wake. Uh, Will's played this golf course many, many times. Dustin Johnson in the field. He usually plays before a major championship, 18 to one Xander's in the field at 18 to one. Let's go down to Burns at 20 Spieth, who has a win at 22. I'll stop there in your favorites. Give me, um, you got a fade and a, and a favorite in there. I think that the two I'm most interested in would be um, Sam Burns for fairly obvious reasons. You know, he probably ran out of petrol on the weekend here last year and and, and still finished second. He, he dominated a second stage qualifying school section here um, five years ago, I think it was. So, you know, there, there's a fairly obvious case to make for, for Sam Burns. And the other being Jordan Spieth. I mean, you know, he was top 10 here last year. At his absolute best, we're talking approach play and putting. Obviously, the putts has been an issue. It, it didn't stop him winning the RBC, but he was definitely uh, fortuitous. I, I just had a hard time accepting half the price uh, that he was that week. Um, so I, I kind of probably lean towards Burns, but without being particularly interested in. Um, for a fade, I'll, I'll take a risk. And this is just probably being a bit contrarian, but... I'm not as sold. A lot of people over here certainly seem to think Will Zalatoris might win this week. I I can't think of anything worse than a 25 under winning total for his breakthrough. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he hit 90% of greens here last year and just scraped inside the top 20. Um, now you can argue he's putting better, but essentially you're basing that on Augusta where he happens to have putted well in two visits, but in strokes gain terms, the last time you'll see him gaining strokes away from that was, you know, September, October last year. So I'm, I'm happy to take on Zalatoris. I'm, I'm sure he'll play well, but to win this tournament, he's going to have to putt better than he has anywhere bar Augusta in a year. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to oppose him. 
yeah, we don't get master's stats layered out in for the most part, but you would have to think he was probably positive in strokes gained putting at the masters. But outside of that, he hasn't finished positive in putting since October. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd much rather back him for next week. You know, like I think yeah. he's a real, he's a real candidate for next week. I know he's won a college event at Southern Hills as well as has Scotty Scheffler, whatever that's worth. We'll see. But um, yeah, I, I kind of sit on him this week. He's just, he is what he is. I, I get the motivation to get off the mark and win, sure. but you know, I, I just I couldn't bear to watch him putting. I, I, I think when when you when you need to shoot sixty five four times, uh, or sixty six four times, maybe you know, so it's a pretty big ass to do that putting to an average standard, however good your iron plays. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen Five golf clubs deliver significantly increased. MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. You know, it's funny. I, I told, I told um, Will's out, or not Will, I told uh, Daniel Rappaport yesterday that I thought, um, I'm drawing a blank that played with uh, Cameron Young. I thought I thought Cameron Young would win before Will's Outdoors on PJ. Interesting. Tour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you certainly, you know, he's he's been a persistent throughout. I know I saw someone on Twitter earlier saying they wish he was playing this week. I think it would have been a great, a great chance for him, certainly. Um, but we got a good class, haven't we? I mean, we have got Davis Riley, who's obviously good yep. friends with Will. Um, so that'd be an intro. I'm sure they've got a little battle going on to, you yep. know, who can do it first. And it wouldn't surprise me if when one does the other, the other follows suit, but you know, th- th- there's a big contrast between them. Actually, Davis Riley, there's a guy who might be the best putter this week. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, at twice the price, I'd probably rather play him than Zalatoris, but I, I know this could come back to bite me. I, I back Zalatoris for the masters um, where he, he played, really solid is his iron play actually wasn't as good as it can be his wedges were a bit off but uh i don't know it's um like i said it he nearly won at tory pines when you you know i think they got to about 14 15 under but it's still tough i i'm surely when he wins it's going to be 12 15 under and not 20 25 yeah yeah I, you know cameron young's not playing this week and of course he played with will and will was the more prolific um prolific collegiate player you know of course will comes out makes the splash and you know, he's been right there and, and, and look, I mean, Jordan wins, um, a few weeks back and, and loses two and a half strokes game putting. <laughs> um, so like, Hey, Travis, you know, the, the, it can be done. Right. And will can do that. So I don't know if it's going to happen here though. I, to me at this venue, I would, um, I would, uh, shy away from that. And for that, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm out on speed. I'm certainly fading wills out Taurus. We know JT's close. We know what Scheffler's capable of obviously, um, in, in the run that he's on, um, you know, I, I'll probably, I just can't, I, I'm just kind of at that. I made the decision with Xander that I'm done betting him to win. Um, I just, I feel like at this point it's kind of, it's in there a little bit. I think he struggles to put things away. You watch Max Homa who has tremendous win equity when he gets into these situations last week. Um, for me, it's Burns. I mean, I'm a Burns Homer. And if he's playing, I bet him. So when Burns wins, I win always. I've been on the, you know, the nice side of that a couple of times, but in handicapping this down, I'm not certainly not betting Scheffler at seven. I find myself falling all the way to Sam Burns at 20. I mean, that's kind of, that's where I'm going to start. And as we continue down, I'm also going to play Hideki. 
Um, I got him at 35. He's actually at 28 now. Um, but Joaquin Neiman's at 35. Seamus Powers at 35, who's starting to make a name for himself. Kepka, you know, 35. I know a lot of people who just get to that 35, 40 range and they just automatic play it with Kepka. Adam Scott at 40. I'm interested to see if this might be the last couple of tournaments for Adam Scott. Um, you know, his name's been rumored to be out there. There's Fleetwood at 40. Coke Rack will be on the pod tomorrow, 45. And Gooch, I've played him. Call me crazy. I like Gooch here this week at 45. No, I can see the case for Gooch. I, I was kind of interested in him to some degree. I know this is probably over analysis, but I wonder to what extent his mind will wander forward to the USPGA. Um, he's he's from Oklahoma. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big week for him. I've actually got him for the USPGA at a nice price from, from back in January. So I'll, I'll happily see some signs of encouragement here. Um, he looks a good type for it, doesn't he? You know, he's a brilliant iron player. Um, his pot has behaved itself over the last 12 to 18 months. So I could definitely see him going well, but um, I just wondered to what extent he might be a little bit distracted. What's your feel on uh, on Seamus and kind of the tra- trajectory of him? Yeah, look, he's had a he's had a fantastic 12 to 18 months. Very similar, I suppose, to Taylor Gooch in that that he's uh, he's taking his career to a new level. Uh, he started off, I think, he shot 65 here on on Thursday last year. Ended up finishing ninth. You know, he's obviously become a better player since. Uh, I was a bit disappointed with him last week, um, but I would say that there are certain events that come along and you just think I uh, can just ignore that form. Um, and that would probably be one of them, you know, the weather they had in Maryland. So yeah, I can see Seamus playing well. He played well in the masters, good masters debut. Um, and he, he's a birdie machine, isn't he? So um, mm-hmm. I, I like him, but um, there were just, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird to see, as you said, I mean, Hideki wasn't for me necessarily, but to see Hideki and Kepka alongside Seamus power in the betting, um, is kind of slightly yeah. odd. And, and that actually, I'm probably skipping ahead here, but that's kind of why I like Mark Leishman as well. You know, he's, yeah. he's probably a bit of a better player than than some of these. Um, and I thought he was, you know, he's sort of 50 to one over here. And I, I think last week's missed cuts probably just worth ignoring. I mean, his approach play was still great. Um, he's going to love the width off the tee here. Yeah. Um, I know they've added this to his schedule because they felt it was a good fit. Um, some of the guys who do his performance um, statistics and data analysis over here have told me that. So I, I think it's a, a great fit for Leash and, and he's motivated as well. Cause he's 47th in the world now, I think mm-hmm. uh, 46, 47th. He, he'd be desperate to stay in the top 50 and, and hopefully you can do that with a, with a big week. I got Leash at 65. Yeah. You see, I like, I think that's hard to argue with. He, yeah. he's so, he, he never comes up well on models because he plays the odds, you know, he's not consistent and he has yeah. tournaments where he misses the cut by five, mm-hmm. but his upside, I mean, look at his CV compared to most of the players around him. Um, it, it, they're chalk and cheese. So yeah. And, and, and as I said, his approach play was great last week. Tee to green in the masters. He was top five tee to green, according to data golf, um, played well in the Zurich classic as defending champions. There's really not anything I, I and he played well here last year. So I, I thought he looked really, really solid. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Leash right now, 65 on, um, in, on DraftKings. I, I think that's, I had him written down. I didn't, I, um, I haven't met him yet, but I, I think, uh, you certainly talked me into that. And as we work down into that range, Vegas at 55, I mean, is there anybody hitting the ball better than Johnny Vegas with his irons? I mean, my God. It's phenomenal, isn't it? The kind of the last two years now, or certainly the last year in particular, his irons were amazing last week. Um, 
probably one of those, you know, I, I, he was really bad off the tee and, and there's a, people understand this better than I do, but it kind of gives you the opportunity to hit those recovery shots and, and, and probably flatter yourself a little bit, but look, he's, Tita Green, he's, he's been one of the best players on the PGA Tour for a long time. He, he seems to find ways not to win, um, which is slightly disconcerting. Um, but he's, he's been there and done it before, hasn't he? He'd be a bit like Zalatoris for me. Like I, I, I much rather wait for for something a little tougher. Um, but obviously, he's got some Texas connections of his mm-hmm. own, and and he was ninth here last year. So I, I think he'll, he's one of those like first round leads, absolutely. But maybe not, <laughs> maybe not to win it. Uh, top twenty plus two ten. Vegas. Yeah. Rock solid. Rock yeah. solid. Yeah. I, I like that bet too. I, I, I've actually got that at Vegas plus two ten. Here, here's three names. I want to throw at you three interesting names here in the middle. Give me rate these in order for me. Like your, your best, the one you like the most here this week. One, two, three, ready. Maverick McNeely, Jason day and Aaron wise. Uh, so McNeely first, he's, okay. he's, he's my headline selection this yeah. week. Um, Big hitter, approach play, massively improved, dynamite putter. Uh, it all adds up to a to a, a good course fit. He came through Q school here um, the same year Burns did. Um, so he has that. He's making his debut in the tournament. Um, loads of incentive. He's just hovering around outside the top 50 in the world. Don't think he'll be distracted by the fact he's playing the USPGA next week. Um, I think I think he has a, an outstanding chance to, to play well here. Um, Aaron Wise, I, I liked, but... It, you know, there's just that nagging doubt about the putter. I know that's kind of a theme with a couple of these I've mentioned now, but you know, he's a past champion at Trinity forest where he shot whatever number it was, 25 under, he can do it. Um, but I wouldn't, I, I think what we saw in Mexico where he has one really bad day is probably the sort of thing we should continue to expect, but I would still have him ahead of Jason day. Uh, I liked how Jason played last week. It was good to see. Um, apart from that, two hours on Saturday where things unraveled uh, his approach play was much better, but he, he said it himself during the tournament, like a, a, a hard lush course like that. Um, he's always loved those, um, <laughs> you know, Marion congressional um, back in the day, you know, it, his wins at Torrey Pines. He, he, he's always been a good tough conditions golfer. Uh, again, he can obviously, I think he won one of the playoff events once in 22 under and whatever it was, but right. I, I just, I don't see him connecting four low rounds. Um, yep. So I, I hope his comeback continues. But for now, um, I think it will have to do so at a fairly low level. Yeah, it's common with McNeely. And he, he's a player that he takes care of the par fives. We got four of them this week. Um, he, he gets ample looks, but he converts. You know, he could putt. He's one of those guys that, you know, that that ratio is in his favor. So, yeah, the big Mav McNeely, Stanford Cardinal can stand up, let the driver go. And then, you know, let those opportunities come to him and see if he can get it into the twenties. So I think I agree with that. Um, yeah, it's funny. I've, I've received, you know, just more texts and DMS on Jason day than I think I have anybody in the field because based off of last week in his play, they're like, well, look, he only had the one bad day on Saturday and everything else was fair point. Um, Aaron, why certainly get some play. We keep coming down here. Stop me when you hear a name you like Alex Norin. 55 had one. I'm sure we'll get a little respect this week at 55. Uh, I'll probably pass. But Zayden Hutt at 60. There's my boy Mito Pereira at 65. Siwoo Kim, 65. Cameron Champ, 65. And then there's Leash, who I know you like. Um, 
right now at 65. Do you like Davis Riley? We talked about him at 65. Is that yeah, someone that you could? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, he's a little bit shorter than that over here. So, you know, if he'd just been a bit bigger, he would have probably made my short list. I'm, you know, three top fives. If you include the Zurich classic in his last five starts, he's really uh, finding his feet now. Um, I, being someone who tends to look more at long games, the fact that he's been riding a very, very hot putter, certainly in the Valspar in Mexico is not necessarily what I want to see, but look, he's one in Texas on the corn ferry tour, hasn't he? He's a brilliant young talent surrounded by the right people. Um, He's right up there as one of the most talented young players on the PGA tour. So um, if he continues to gain two strokes around with the putter, then, you know, yeah, why not? It, It seems like a very good fit for him. Why am I drawing? Why am I drawn to Keith Mitchell at seventy five? Why? Why? I, I was I was drawn to him a little bit. I'll be honest. I I think he drove it badly last week, but that's kind yeah. of not too bad because he he very rarely drives it badly. So you kind of think, well, he'll he'll sort that out. Yeah. It was it was a weird course. Um, I don't know about you. I just I kind of probably just up overvaluing the Honda because I know he played well at the CJ Cup last year where he made like a million birdies in a row. But um, I just I think. I think of Keith Mitchell as probably once 12 under 15 under rather yeah. than 20. Yeah. I think if not to win, but a top 20 potentially, I just, for some reason I keep coming back to him. He's there. Bubba's at 75 could be the last little stretch for Bubba too. I think Bubba's going to the live tour. I don't know that for sure, but that's what it feels like to me. Anyway, Munoz 75 Griffin, Lanto Griffin. He's back, folks. Lanto Griffin is back playing some good golf. He's at 80 to 1. Can can Lanto what, what did he end up finishing last week? I know he he had a nice little run there. He finished sixth at Wells Fargo. Hit the ball exceptionally well. Drove it well. Good approach game. Putter was okay. Around the green game seems to, you know, we know Lanto, that's kind of his weakness, but I'm willing to look past that this week. Lanto, definitely, you know, you go through this. I definitely give Lanto over Keith Mitchell the lean on the top 20 here. Yeah, I he was the first name I wrote down when I started on Saturday, which when I tend to do a good chunk of my research. Um, he's another one. He's a bit like Mitchell in some regards that I felt probably... Uh, you know, you just that that sort of teaser green game he's showing at the moment. I kind of wanted it to be a tougher course. Like, I, I he's one to definitely keep an eye on. I know again he's one of those. Like, he he was third in the Amex um, earlier this year. So you know that that and and hopefully we'll come to the winner of the Amex. So I do like a big prize. I, I do think that's a good guide. Uh, but in general with Lanto, I just wonder if he he's another who wants it a little bit tougher. But look, the way he's playing, he's clearly turned a corner. Um, so I think he's put back to back the two best driving performances of his career. And if he keeps doing that, that's the foundations of, of a, of a second win. And obviously his first one came in Texas three years ago. So yeah, there, there's a lot to like. It's interesting. Then we go, you, you go Harmon Palmer, Straka Hughes. Um, you, you got Kitayama now as we jump to the hundred to one and I'll tell you, Kurt Kitayama has been, we talked about him in great length last week's show. Uh, he, per, he performs again last week. Do you just keep it rolling with him? I mean, is he just a good play? Just keep going. Obviously very difficult golf course at a hundred to one. Yeah. I like Kitayama. He's, he's another that's finding his feet. He came through corn ferry tour. You know, he, he obviously won, won a couple of times on the, the DP world tour. And um, again, under tougher conditions, sorry to keep saying that, but I, I, I'm not 
not against him under lower scoring conditions at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because you look at his two big, big strengths when he's on, iron play, putting. Um, they were both extraordinarily good in the Honda. Um, and and if he's got a problem, it's that for all he, he hits the ball a long way for someone who's about my size, which is not very big. Um, he he uh, he's pretty wild off the tee at times. So again, you probably think this is a nice course for him in that respect. So yeah, there's loads to like about Kitty Armour and he's another for people who don't have time to go wading through uh, leaderboards from 2016 Q school, but he came through second stage here as well. So he has played the course before and, and has some fond memories. Yeah. Last, last 24 rounds in this field approach third birdies fourth par fives I'd like to see him maybe take advantage of the, to, to, you know, do a little better in that rank, but yeah, I, this, this, this field here, I'm going to have to think a little bit more on the, on the Kitayama. right now. He's plus 500 on the top 20. Who on the top hundred and beyond any, as we start getting into some of the longer shots here, as you, as you mentioned, um, KH Lee was 200 to one last year winning this. As we start getting into the hundred, 110s and beyond, I'm going to go Matthew Wolf 130. I'll start us there. I, I look, I was encouraged. Now you can let the big dog hunt. Better golf course for him. I, I'll go there. He's got yeah. firepower. He can do it. So that's, I'll start with him there. 100% with you on that. I think of all the, every person in the field, you know, probably Leishman aside, <clears throat> I would say relative to his price. I think he's the one with the biggest upside. I, we all know how capable he is. You know, it's only a year and a half ago he was going off 33 to 1 for a US Open. Um, and we're three times that for a Byron Nelson. I think Twin Cities is actually a good sort of pointer, similar sort of test, similar mm-hmm. scoring. He won there, obviously, back in 2019, shot 21 under par. Um, the Shriners. Again, you know, lost a playoff in about 24 under when Martin Laird won and was second again when Sung Jae-in shot 64 on Sunday. Um, that was only last October when he was playing brilliant golf. Um, he's very volatile. Um, we saw, you know, he played really well in Saudi Arabia, actually, when he was six earlier in the year. He's done nothing since then. Uh, shot 81 at Augusta, all kinds of stuff like that. But if anyone turns it around quickly, uh, he's one of them. And and actually, I think he's got seven top six finishes since the start of last year. Sorry, 2020. Um, in, in about 50 appearances. So already that tells you, you know, he he's popping up often enough. But every one of them came after he made the cut on his previous start. And for a guy who misses a lot of cuts, that I thought was a good pointer. And as as you said, he finished 25th last week. Better than that, he was third after round one, six after 54 holes. So, you know, a solid final round. He could have yeah. finished 10th, could have finished 8th. He would have been 50, 66 to one. Um, I think he's, he's a must bet this week and, yeah. and you have to accept that he might come out on Thursday and shoot 80. That's just the nature <laughs> of the beast. <laughs> I think he's getting into a better spot. Uh, I do. I, I think we're getting into so, a, yeah. yeah. I think we're getting to a better place now. Um, and he's and, in Oklahoma. Sorry to interrupt you, but the only other thing I wanted to add was in he's in Oklahoma for the PGA next week, which is where he made his name as a college golfer. So if he needs any more incentive to right. build on what what just happened in Maryland, then then that that carrot next week to go and do himself justice there, I'm sure he'll be working very very hard, um, and hopefully that 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 improvement continues. And if I had to if I had to go beyond that, I'll give you another name. I'll go Swafford at 250. <laughs> have you read my preview, Travis? Yeah, right, is, that, you? is that on your name too? Okay. I mean, that, those, <laughs> are the, those are the two names that I put down. Wolf, 130, Swafford, 250, who we know can fill it up um, with some birdies. So that, that's, 
you know, those are, those are my two names and the bombs. Yeah, I mean, look, Swaffer's won three times, 18, 20, 23 under par. Uh, he's 32nd this season in birdie average. He's one of the best iron players in the field right now, which is not something we've always right. said about him. This time last year, his iron play was shocking, mm. and, and hence he missed the cut here. Um, but he returns with his iron play really good. It was, it was amazing in Texas. He's got a Hovland-like problem around the greens, but again, this is a course where Zalatoris hit 90% of greens. Um, they are big and they are pretty receptive. So again, if Swafford brings his A game from T to green, we probably don't need to worry too much about the, the chipping. Uh, and his putting is one of those. It's kind of him in a nutshell. He can be the best putter this week. He really could. He could be one of the worst. Um, I love that, that, that volatility because you're getting a guy who's won three times and he's in amongst players who are just simply not as good. Um, so I absolutely loved him this week. Yeah. Yeah, he he finished so he finished 6.9 positive putting at RBC last time we saw him. Then he lost 2.3 the tournament before that. You know, it's just funny to go through his stats. I mean, he'll go negative seven positive four. You know, negative six, positive six. I mean, it's just he just it's like flipping a coin on one end of the other. Who, who am I missing? Any other any other names in there as you go bombs, maybe a top 20 in there for another bomb or so? I'll give you Scott Piercy for a top 20. I, okay. I think this is, um, this is a pretty good, pretty good course for Piercy. I know okay. he's, you know, a lot of people will think, oh, okay, well, Scott Piercy's probably done, done his winning now. And that's, that may well be true, but his last four starts have been 12th, 21st, 33rd and 37th. Um, at various wow. points, he, he's been top 10 for putting. He's been top 10 for approach players, drivers kind of around average, but, but solid enough. You think of him at his best, you know, you think of courses like Scottsdale, um, like in Reno, where you just got to pile up birdies. Um, he, he shot nine under in round one at Twin Cities, the year Matt Wolf won, which is another, again, I, as I mentioned, that's a course I do like as a as a guide to this. I, I just think he's playing a bit better now, and it's it's his kind of test. And he's got a very good record in the event. I know it's moved around. He, he was a, he was a real four season specialist. Then he was second at Trinity Forest when he famously or semi famously didn't make a bogey uh, and came second behind Sun Kang. Um, yeah, I, I I'm fairly hopeful he can play well because he seems to be in a good place. Justin Leonard's in the field. <laughs> no, he he wasn't on my list. I'll be honest. <laughs> Leonard is in the field as he gets ready for his. He was on the pod, but three months ago, or three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago. And he's going to, he's going to play a little bit starting in the fall on PGA tour champions as he turns 50. Um, and I, did I see Andrew loop in the field too? I think he, is. I mean, he came, came through the Monday qualifier, didn't Andrew he? So, loop, yeah. yeah. Um, it's been a, it's been a long time. Wow. We're talking, we're talking massive long shots here. I'm that this guy, I've put up a tip at 750 to one over here this week, which is the first, you know, probably one of the two or three times I've ever done that. Um, obviously I would expect it to be a losing tip, but, um, I did keep going back to Austin cook. Um, mm. and you know, one, won the RSM in 21 under, uh, he was part of the playoff with Martin Laird and Matt Wolf in 23 under in the Shriners. Uh, he shot 22 under and came fourth in the Barbasol. Um, once upon a time as a Monday qualifier, he looked like he might win the Houston open the week before the masters. Um, he's got good form at Southwind, which is Zoysia grass fairways, which, you know, I don't want to play too much into that, but it's something. Um, and last year he came here, he missed 11 cuts in a row. He opened with a pair of 68s to be 27th, halfway. He faded. I'm not surprised he was in terrible form. And um, this time 
I think the key is his form doesn't look very good again, but his approach play has been good the last twice. He missed the cut by one shot last week. Uh, he, you know, he missed three five footers in the second round. It all suggests to me a golfer who's lacking confidence, which is not ideal. But um, for if you if you're talking low scoring, capable with his irons and his putter, yeah. slight improvements lately, and actually played okay here last year. 750 to one. That's my, my real long shot. Wow. And, and we are talking, you know, if, if yeah. there's an event where you take a chance, I think this is the one. Yeah, sure. That's fantastic. And I'm looking at a splits his best surface, bad grass greens. So there you go. A lot of things lining up for Austin cook, the 2017 RSM champion in the field this week on that folks. We've got to bring the show to an end because that was brilliant. I, 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 I love that Scott Piercy top 20 and Austin cook plus 700. Those are your bombs. Don't forget Wolf at 130. Swafford, another one that we both like at uh, 250. You've talked me into leash. I had him circled 65. Um, and I, and, and I'll tell you, you know, one of the first names for me that I put down was McNeely and just listening to you talk about him. You know, this is, this is a, this is a young man that's, that's coming. It feels like, it feels like Cameron Young's going to get a win here in the next three months. Um, I would put McNeely right there, perhaps behind him. You know, I think he's, he's close as well. So before, before we go, who gets their first win, Will Zalatoris or Cameron Young? That was a off the, off the record debate I had. I'll, I, I'm going to be boring and say Zalatoris will beat him to it, but you know, I, look, I understand. Look, the point, I guess, the point is, if you were going to bet on it, you wouldn't be betting evens, would you? So I can understand, like, you might see the value in Cameron Young. Um, listen, they're, they're both great players, and it'd be fun to see if they can make the Ryder Cup next year, or even the Presidents Cup this year. Yeah. Um, but it, it seems crazy that you know Zalatoris wasn't really considered properly for the Ryder Cup last year, and, and Sam no. Burns didn't make the side either. So. We're sort of quaking in our boots over here a little bit, but um, hopefully, hopefully Rory continues the resurgence and we'll be all right. The Americans are deep right now. It is my goodness. I, I it, they are there are so many good. I mean, Scheffler now, who just barely made the team for crying out loud. Him and Burns, I, I picked Burns, and everybody else is on Scheffler, and can't argue that the way he went out and beat Rom in the singles, and obviously has now propelled him. I think. I mean, since that moment, four wins, number one player in the world, Masters champ. He's the favorite here this week uh, at seven to one and he'll be up in Tulsa for the PGA championship next week. Let's hope tiger and Phil are there. Let's, let's, let's bring it all together in one spot and let's hug it out. Everybody just hugs it out and we all just move forward and play professional golf. Hey, Ben, you're the man. Appreciate it. Go follow him at Ben Coley golf on Twitter. He's the head of head of editorial for sportinglife.com. Appreciate your time, buddy.